Sounds good with the choir in here, man. You guys are rocking. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The rest of you sound great, too. I don't, let me get around. Now, I'm going to dive right in this morning as we, we begin our discussion. Uh, we're diving into one of the most important subjects in the Bible as it relates both to the individual, uh, individual believer, and the body of Christ. The church is what we call a capital C church. We're talking about spiritual gifts, and we've kind of been spotting that along a couple of, for almost a month now, uh, filled in with a couple of other different things that we had going on, Confirmation Sunday and things like that. But we understand from what we've talked about before, just a quick review, that they are given to Christ. That's what Lyle read this morning. Gifts are given to each individual believer or follower of Christ for the body of Christ, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, again, don't take my word for it because we uh, look at Scripture here. So look at Ephesians 4, 7. It says, Christ gave each of us a special gift. Everyone received what he wanted to give them. Notice that it says he wanted to give them. It doesn't say everyone got what they wanted. Everybody got what Jesus, what Christ, wanted to give them. So plenty of cross-references to go with that. Um, if you're interested in uh, looking that, for that a little bit more. Um, but what we're going for this morning, what we're looking at this morning, is these are gifts with a purpose. That's the title of the message this morning, gifts with a purpose. Um, my Aunt Artis used to give me gifts with a purpose. When I was a kid, she'd send me all kinds of cool things. Like one time she sent me a microscope. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Another time she sent me a couple of, a pair of walkie-talkies, and those are fun things. That, but Jesus gives us these gifts with a purpose in mind. Um, you know, we're not getting sweaters from an artist here. We're getting useful tools, things that we can really use. So, um, you remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about um, where God outlines these spiritual gifts. Remember the twelves and the fours, right? Um, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You can say with me, 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. So those two places, those four places, twelves and the four. Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Peter and, and Ephesians 4. Now, obviously... Uh, we've been looking at these for the past 2,000 years, um, and as biblical scholars, there's been a lot of discussions regarding the lists that we see in those four places, and we see comparison, you know, we're comparing them and counting them up, um, putting them into different categories and things, and wondering if these lists are complete or what's going on with them completely. Um, but I'm like that guy, some of you remember this, Joe Friday on Dragnet, you know, I used to watch some of those reruns when I'd come home from school, and he'd say what? Just a facts, just a facts, ma'am, just give me the facts. So again, let's dive into the spirit and see what, uh, what the facts are uh, about spiritual gifts. Now, as I stated um, in the title of this message, we're talking about gifts with a purpose. We have gifts with a purpose, and God is very straightforward with that purpose. Um, so we don't have to speculate on that. You know, so many times we look at the Bible and we speculate on things. Well, what you, well God is very straightforward, and I'm, and I'm convinced of that. Um, when God wants us to really know something, he lays it out in terms that we can't miss. Some of the things are a little bit more esoteric and out there a little bit, so let's concentrate on the facts. Let's concentrate on what we know and what we can really hang our hat on. What are God's goals? What are God's purposes? So what are those goals? What are the goals of distributing those gifts? And before we get to that exactly, I want to talk about those gifts kind of a little bit more broadly. Uh, the first thing I want you to look at is uh, I'm talking about unity in diversity. So we've talked about unity in the past. In the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about unity, being together. Um, not just looking alike, not just acting alike, but thinking alike, right? And, but we're diverse, too. He's given us diverse gifts. Look back at, verse, uh, at Ephesians 4 again real quick, um, chapter 4, verse 1, just to set up what we're going to be talking about here this morning. This is Paul saying, Now therefore, he said, I, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, 
beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I want to remind you again that that word worthy here is a business term, right? It means to balance the scales. It means to equal things out. Uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians, by the way, we're studying Ephesians on Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock if you're interested in coming to that. The first three chapters of Ephesians, he lays out what we are in Christ because of what Christ has done for us, because of what God has done for us. And now, here in chapter 4, he says, therefore, now go act like that. Go out in a manner worthy of that calling. Look at verse 3 now, he says. What are, how do we look like that? What is that calling? What is worthy of that calling? So it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united, right? We talked about that. United in the Spirit. Bringing yourselves together with peace. That word united is what we're really pointing out here. Uh, make every effort to keep yourselves united. The Holy Spirit unites us. Now it's our job to keep ourselves united together. And I, again, I want to point out that there's, there's diversity in our gifts, but there's a unity in how they're supposed to be used and how they're supposed to come together and the goals that they're supposed to reach. So now, I want to give you an example of uh, what it sounds like to have um, diversity but not unity in something here. Just listen to this real quick. A lot of talent obviously going on there but there's not a lot of unity but there's a lot of diversity going on there so it's something that's kind of the the power that's not been harnessed yet so now paul says this about unity he says in ephesians 4 4 he says there's one body one spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future and then he goes on with that he says there's one lord one faith one baptism one god and father over all who is over all in all and living through all so the one, the one, the one, the one, the one. This is what we call our unity of faith. How are, you know, what are we supposed to hang our hat on? What are we supposed to get together on? That's the unity that we're talking about. The one, one, one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And now if we begin with the end in mind here, let's look at verse 13, staying in chapter 4. Paul says that um, the, the giving of the spiritual gifts, the living of the spiritual gifts will continue until we all come to the, such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. So that's what we're going for. So we're, the, the, the gifts are to bring us together in unity. And what Paul really says is to keep that unity that the Spirit has given us at the beginning. And so now we have these gifts. We have this power of the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Right? And so I want to talk, go from the, the unity and diversity. I want to go to a unified responsibility. That is what we're talking about here. This is what Paul is talking about here. That unified responsibility. And we all know the famous Spider-Man quote, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Now, see, I use this guy because that's the OG Spider-Man right there. I, you know, you do that all, all that other Marvel stuff, but that's, that's the guy right there. So just what exactly is that responsibility? I mean, that's a question we should be asking. What is that responsibility? That's a question you should be asking. What is that responsibility? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Turn to someone and say, what is that responsibility? Back up a verse that I was setting up here a second ago, verse 12. It says their responsibility is to what? Equip. Equip God's people to do his, capital H, his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
That's the responsibility of us. That's the responsibility of using those spiritual gifts to equip God's people, to equip God's people to what? To do God's work. That is building up the church, the body of Christ. Now, we spent some time the last few weeks looking at and understanding the purpose of these gifts, right? The gifts, of, uh, the gifts with a purpose. And maybe even taking another step back as I'm looking at these verses here, we can understand that we all, as believers uh, in Christ and as followers of Christ, um, he's given us a gift. So now the question should be, um, do you know what that gift is? Uh, when we started this um, kind of mini-series with a couple of interruptions in between, uh, the conversations I had out in the narthex were people saying, I don't know what my gift is. How do we know what my gift is? But here, a follow-up question. If you do have discovered your spiritual gift, my question is, are you using that gift to serve God's kingdom and his purpose? Are you using that gift to equip his people to do God's work in the kingdom? You remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about how God outlines those spiritual gifts in, in four different places in Scripture, Right? I think it's Romans 12, isn't it? And is it 1 Corinthians 12? And there's some 4s somewhere. Oh yeah, 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. There's lists of spiritual gifts there. And it doesn't actually outline maybe every one of them. And we're going to talk about some of them this morning. But we're going to really try to go in the next couple weeks, we're going to go in how to discover what your gift is. Because the fact is you have a gift. And the fact is you're supposed to be using it to further God's kingdom, to equip God's people. So this morning I want to focus on one of those lists, just so we can understand uh, the purpose of God's gifts and the importance of them. But again, this is not in any way an inclusive list. Like I said a few minutes ago, uh, biblical scholars, we've been looking at this for 2,000 years, examining them, pouring over, discussing, debating these gifts. But again, I'm one that sticks with the facts, sticks with what we know, the things that God tells us with certainty. God tells us these things with certainty and a clarity that we can grasp and we can apply. Right? So often we go off on these uh, little rabbit holes that are great rabbit holes, and trust me, that's what I do with most of my mornings. But you know, when it comes right down to the brass tacks, as they say, there's a lot of things that God lays out to us very clearly, right? with clarity, with certainty. Why does he do that? So that we can grasp it, so that we can apply it to our lives, and we can apply it to his kingdom. Call, uh, because Paul moves from what we have in common, um, that unity of faith to how Christians, uh, then Paul talks about how Christians differ from each other. Now, I'm not talking about the divisions that we have, um, that we try to create with different denominations, right? Um, And I could go down, you know, 10 more minutes on on that topic, but you get what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the diversity that's on that stage with that orchestra. You know, that everybody's going to be on the same page of music here, literally, in just a minute. God imparts these diversity, uh, these, these gifts to his people for his purpose. Now, time out for a brief moment here. Get our feet set. That uh, Jared talked about it about a month ago, maybe a little more than that. Talked about how um, spiritual gifts are not natural talents or natural abilities. Um, we'll talk more on that in a moment. Um, our abilities and our talents are certainly God-given to be sure. Some people, but, you know, we're different. Some people can just run faster than others. Or some people can play instruments better than other people. Or some people can handle math better than other people. I mean, we just have different talents. We have different abilities. But a spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and his people in a way that Christ is glorified, in a way that Christ is glorified, and, and other believers are strengthened. 
So again, I want to focus on Ephesians 4 here this morning, just for simplicity's sake. Um, but in reality, that's, there's nothing simple about it. Okay, so let's dig in. Okay, so Paul lists five gifts here in Ephesians 4. I'm going to show you them all in, in a second, but I just want to go down them one by one. So the first one that he lists is apostles. Okay, so, so right off the bat, um, this one has us wondering a little bit. Um, now, I talk about translations all the time. Um, this word is literally, uh, no pun intended there, a transliteration of a word from Greek. So a transliteration means we just took the word that they were using, changed it around so it's a little more, a bit easier to, for us to pronounce, um, and then made it our word. So uh, the apostle comes straight from, from uh, the Greek language. Um, so now the, the hang-up we have with this, just stay here for a second, the hang-up we have with this is that normally when we see this word applied, it's to the 12 apostles, not Judas, but, you know, we had Barnabas and we had the other guys, uh, the 12 apostles, and there's some prerequisites to being an apostle. Um, one is that you had to have seen the risen Lord Jesus, and the other is that you had to be sent out by Christ. Okay, so we fill in kind of parts of that, but then there's some other things that other people that come up in the, in the Bible as well, like Paul, for example, and Timothy are called apostles. So we get a little uh, confused about that, about what that actually means. Um, the reason I bring that up, and, and I almost hesitate to say this, and I want this parenthetically if we can do that, um, some people think that some of the spiritual gifts aren't for the church today. Most people, there's two schools of thought. Most people believe that, yes, they are all still alive and active in the church today. So and that, because we get that because that's what Scripture tells us. So if that's what Scripture tells us, then how do we fit that into what we already know. So so often we try to take a, a little bit and we try to cram it into everything else we know about the Bible. Well, what we really should do is take everything that we know about the Bible and use that to discern what we're talking about here and what we're looking at here. So the reason I talked about the transliteration of this word is because we might get hung up on or wrapped around the axle because of the word, not because of the title, not because of the position. Okay, so... That's what it is in its purest sense. But okay, so staying um, with that theme that we have here as our backdrop, and then we look at how God gave us apostles, we look at modern day um, things that, that will fit into that. For example, missionaries. Okay, missionaries are sent out to do God's work and to, uh, to proclaim God's word and to strengthen God, God's people. Um, also, church planters are out there to, uh, to bring God's word and to, and, to, and to strengthen God's people. So really the ones sent out by God's glory, right? Apostles, um, any way you slice it, apostles are responsible to equip people to do the work of ministry. Apostles are responsible to equip people to do the work of ministry. And actually, this word comes uh, from Roman times, from uh, apostle comes from the Roman Empire. Uh, when the Roman Empire would, would conquer uh, a city, things like that, um, instead of destroying it and laying waste to it, uh, they would send out what they called apostles to go to that city. The, the Roman Empire would send out their people um, with the Roman kingdom mindset to, to shift the way that government functions and to shift the way that city functions, uh, to, to train them up uh, to do Rome's bidding. Well, that's exactly what God does with his apostles, right? We, see, we send them in um, to, uh, again, instead of destroying things, to get the mindset to shift into how God's, func God's uh, kingdom functions and, and how God's city functions, if you want to look at it like that. To equip, to train, to do God's bidding. 
So that's what an apostle does. That's what an apostle is for. So if that sounds like something that, that you do or something that, that rings true in your head, maybe um, you know, God has given you the gift of being an apostle. The second one doesn't get any easier, prophets. Um, so again, that term gets a little confusing. When we think about prophets, we think about Isaiah in the Old Testament. We think about Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Well, that's not exactly the, the strictest definition of, the, of a prophet. Again, um, I've, uh, well, you know, and we kind of use that term a little loosely sometimes, too. Uh, people have come up to me and say, tell me all about these prophecies that they've heard or that other people have told them. I'm like, well, you know, a prophet is the one that's supposed to speak God's word and God's truth. That's what a prophet does. A prophet releases God's word and God's truth. I mean, if we're, they're very closely associated with, uh, with apostles. That's why he's got them uh, together like this. Prophets often receive a message from God, um, from the counsel of God that they can share with others to prepare God's people for God's missions. Uh, prophets also have a role of interceding for people, um, meaning a prophet can help others um, um, edify or, 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 or build up the church, and especially church leaders. So, um, so anyway, so the next one in line, you might already be a little bit more familiar with, um, evangelists, right? Um, evangelists gather people together. An evangelist is um, someone who shares the gospel message, usually in the strictest sense with people who haven't heard it yet, but not exclusively to people who haven't heard it yet. Um, they often do that through, through preaching or teaching or just somewhere you know, in, a, in a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. But evangelists also have a heart for discipleship, meaning um, that they help new believers grow in their faith. They help new believers grow in their faith. Here's a cool section to understand in Ephesians 4.11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Okay, so um, pastors and teachers. Now, we don't have the Oxford comma here, and the Greek language works a little bit different than the English language. There's a, a, a rule here called the Granville Sharp rule. Okay, so why do I tell you that? Well, just to show off my Greek knowledge a little bit. Pastors and teachers. Okay, so um, the question is, is this one thing or is it two things? If we had an Oxford comma in there, we would know that it's two things. Right now, pastors and teachers, it sounds like two things. Well, here's the thing. Is it one thing or is it two things? Well, the answer is both. Yeah, the answer is yes. Right. So, okay, so what does that mean? Um, it means if your pastor is not teaching you, then your pastor is falling short of what they are supposed to be doing and what they're called to be doing. Specifically, those two, though, pastor means someone who shepherds the flock, the, the local church. They care for spiritual needs, uh, the people of the church. Um, pastors also have a role in teaching and in, in preaching. Um, often do that through sermons and Bible study, but also by their way of life. Um, pastors uh, guard their sheep, just like a or just like a shepherd would guard a flock of sheep. Now, a teacher, though, is responsible for instructing others in the things of God. Um, teachers are good at breaking down the Word of God in an understandable kind of way, in bite-sized pieces that we can take home with us. That might be in Sunday school. That might be in a Bible study. That might be from the pulpit. Teachers also have, like we've been talking, it's a theme going through the whole thing, have a heart for equipping people to be able to study the Bible on their own. Okay, so a couple of other ones that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. That's Ephesians 4.11. So um, also some of the other gifts that we see listed in other places. The gift of encouragement, 
right? Some people are just really good at encouraging other people. Um, some people are really good at, at giving um, and tithing and, uh, and very generous. Some people are, are a gift in the, in the, in the uh, gift of helps. You know, they just show up and things just go better when these people are around because they can see problems even before they start. Um, the gift of mercy, the gift of faith, the gift of leadership. So there's a lot of different gifts, but they're all going for the same goal. Just like, you know, I want you to think of gifts as a tool for a second. Just like a carpenter would use a lot of different tools. The tools, the, the gift, the goal is to build something, though, right? So there's a goal in mind, even though we're using different tools. I need, I got an illustration up here, and I need a couple of uh, volunteers. Jeff Shulo is always entertaining to have around. So Jeff, would you come up here? And Josh, would you come up? Either of you skilled in carpentry? They're very reluctant to come up. You look like you're in junior high. Get up here now. Your shoulder's up a little higher now. Come on. All right, so I've got a board here on this, and we're, and we're going to build something this morning. We're going to be carpenters this morning. So um, since you're kind of a screwball, I'll give you the <laughs> screw and the screwdriver. Would you please uh, just put that uh, screw in the, in the hole that I've indicated there by the, uh, the Sharpie, and he thinks there's going to be a trick here. There's no trick to this one. I usually uh, fool Josh and, and yeah. trick him around. Yeah. It is. So that's pretty easy, right? Yeah. Go ahead, keep going, keep going. Pretty easy, right? Got the right tool for the right job? Barely. Right? <laughs> well, there's a point to that coming up here in a second. He said, I said right tool, he said barely. It looks like <laughs> one of those little sewing machine screwdrivers that your mom had in the little drawer there that you thought, is this for glasses or what is this for? All right, so very well. Thank you. Give Josh a big round of applause. Your, your job is done, sir. You may... Have you ever seen the, the uh, movie um, Brother, Where Art Thou? And one of his favorite lines is, these boys are dumber than a box of hammers, so I'm going to give Jeff the hammer. I've got to be 1% smarter than the two. Okay, well, I think you got that in here. Oh, so much for that 1%. Now we threw the nail into the mix, too. All right, would you please put that nail in that hole there that I've indicated there? I, did, I didn't want the wood to split. All the way, all the way in, all the way in. Excellent. Okay, now... So, all right, so that's your tool, all right? So, Jeff is a hammer. Okay, so now I just want to illustrate this by uh, people in the church. Okay, so Josh, you know, did a great job for us, but Josh is a busy guy, and he had to go. He's got some other things that he does around the community and things like that, but, um, and, and Josh doesn't listen to directions completely. He, this is actually in the wrong hole. So I need you, using your tool, I need you to take that screw out of there, and I need you to put it in this hole without damaging the wood. Without, without, that would damage the wood, sir, 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 sir. There you go, yeah, yeah. That's kind of, that kind of works, you know? Well, now we're damaging the screw. Possible or not possible? Did he put that screwdriver? Well, Josh is gone. Josh, Josh is the screwdriver. He said, did he take that screwdriver? I think he took your screwdriver. <laughs> this is pretty handy, you know? He was right there with like a pen. Uh, so is this possible or not possible? Without damaging the wood, it's not really possible, right? So how easy it is, is it to function when, when one of our tools is taken away? Not very easy, very difficult. All right, give Jeff a big round of applause. Thank you. So now, you get the idea, right? Certain tools are meant for certain things. You know, um, we maybe could use this as a hammer, right? 
but that's not what it's designed to do. This channel lock pliers, you know, is a great tool for moving things. You can grab onto a pipe, you can turn it, you can do other things with it, but it doesn't do very well turning in a screw or we could probably maybe pound in a nail with it. But you get the idea that things don't go the right way when we don't have the right tool. We don't have the right person who is, in our illustration here, who is the actual tool. I didn't call you a tool, by the way, Josh. I didn't mean to, I mean to do that. I'm trying to get that screwdriver out of my pocket. I can't do it. I'll get it later. Hopefully I don't sit on it. <laughs> different gifts for different purposes, right? That's why we're looking at this list of gifts. That's why we're looking at this, uh, this list of opportunities for us to get involved and do things in the church. Right? God calls us, he comes through us, gives us these talents, and really doesn't leave us an alternative. If our screwdriver guy isn't around, the screw is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. If our hammer guy isn't around, our nail is what it is and where it is, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. We can struggle with it. We could try. If we really, you know, if I said, Jeff, I'm going to give you $1.5 million to get this screw out of here, Jeff would probably get the screw out of there. It might take a couple hours, but he'd get it done, right? When it really needs to get done, we could probably do it. But man, it's so difficult. With the right tool, we can take it out in five seconds, right? That's how our church is supposed to function, right? With the right people at the right places at the right time, everything functions in the right way. If not, you know, things are still okay, but they don't function the way they're supposed to function. So now in your bulletin, there's another insert. I told you I was going to get to these in a second. Some people put some time into this to help you uh, find places that you can contribute. It says, I'm a valued contributor to God's kingdom at Grace, and I want to help on Sunday mornings with, and then it says, check all that apply. So I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to look at this. Everybody has this, right? I'm not the only one that has this. Holly, could you find that one? Yeah. So take 30 seconds and just take a look at this and see where you can use your talents, use your time, use your abilities to contribute to what we've got going on here. Because if that nursery needs a screwdriver and all we got are a box of hammer, right, it's not going to function the way it's supposed to function. And frankly, it's going to be what it is. God's call that comes through his gifts leaves us no alternatives. We'll continue to unpack how to discover your gift or your gifts. But that's just academics if we don't have the desire and the drive to use those gifts where God wants us to use them. If you're not going to use that gift, it makes absolutely no difference which tool you are up here. It's just going to sit in the drawer and it's not going to be accessible to us. And whatever we have going on up here isn't going to get done because we don't have the right tool for the job. So just learning your gift isn't enough. You probably already know it. You just have to discover it. You just have to uncover it. God has just to reveal it to you. And he's probably been trying to do that. But for now, this morning, 
there's three things we need to keep in mind as we do that, as we move forward, and as we open ourselves and become more receptive to actually using our gifts. Because in order to keep this from being an academic study, we've got to remember the one thing. Who gave that call? Who gives that gift? Because there's no getting around this. We're going to find ourselves face to face with the living God who has called us to live and to serve with his purpose. So who gave that call? The second thing to think about is what's at stake here? We're all at risk of backing away from God's plan and God's purpose. Not just you backing away from it, but we're losing kingdom if we don't put our gifts to use. Who gave that call? What's at stake here? third thing to keep in mind is maybe the most difficult. It is how to say yes to God's plan and God's purpose. Sometimes that means putting our plans and our agendas aside to make room for him, make way for him. And here's the thing, and there's no getting around this. If we don't put these gifts into practice, we are the losers. We're the ones that are going to lose here. And we're the ones with that closet full of unopened gifts that God has specifically tailor-made for you and tailor-made you for that gift. But, maybe we should have that chain up here that I had a couple weeks ago. When we all work together and we're all involved, then we start functioning the way we're supposed to function and things, simple things, get a lot easier because we're there when we're called on. Can I get a big amen? Can I get a bigger amen? amen? All right, let's stand, please.